that it might be their first time you know setting up a, a business they have what we would call the first time founder conundrum which is nobody knows who you are and nobody really cares yeah. you know and, and that's the, the reality of it becoming a successful founder is not a cakewalk even when it appears that the founder story is an instant success the truth is that all founders have their fair share of hurdles to overcome James McCann, the founder and CEO of the now thriving PR agency Clear Story International, is no different. James seemed to have the perfect origin story, but he reveals to us that beneath the surface, there were times when he didn't think his company would end the month in the black. You know, if you have a bad month in terms of collections or payments, uh, all of a sudden you're 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 in a spot of bother. You know, you're in you, the dwang. You're in the dwang, and we did about two weeks cash in the bank at that stage. Uh, we had, um, you know, uh, the wage bill coming yeah. pretty pretty quickly by the end of the month, and at the at the time we didn't have the cash in the bank to to pay those wages. So my girlfriend, who's now my wife, uh, Siobhan, Siobhan, indeed, <laughs> uh, had come over to 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 Hong Kong. Uh, uh, at the end of that, we we're going to do a, a bit of a, a holiday together. And, uh, you know, I booked us, uh, you know, kind of a, a balcony, you know, room. Uh, in oh, the, this is romantic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You and, didn't uh, tell me about this, no, guys. No, 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 no. And, Go uh, rock, yeah. <laughs> and she rocked up and I was like, yeah, yeah, let me just sort out the room, you know. Um, but uh, Meanwhile, you know, you're having heart palpitations of the cash have, flow. I didn't have the money. <laughs> Welcome, James. Thank you very much, Paige. <laughs> so let's talk about Clear Story International. Yeah. You're a PR company that supports mostly tech companies. Yeah. Most early stage technology companies. Yeah. You know, usually between, say, seed and series A stage when they're just trying to get their reputations established. And in a nutshell, you help those, those companies identify their story mm -hmm. and help tell it. And I mean, to me, oh, I'm like a monkey when it comes to technology. I... <laughs> To get your, your branding on the back of our TV here, I needed help. Yeah, that's a hey look. So what you do is <laughs> you speak to the true nuts and bolts of the people like me who have no idea what's newsworthy about any tech startup anyway. Effectively. Um, and it, it, I suppose generally it's, it's never what you never what you think. You know, we always start off with what we call as a, say a, a company narrative. Mm. So realistically, when we're approaching journalists with you know, the background of, uh, of a company, a founder, whatever it is, you know, the first thing is that you need to establish credibility. Yeah. And for a lot of early stage founders uh, that it might be their first time, you know, setting up a, a business, they have what we would call the first time founder conundrum, which is nobody knows who you are and nobody really cares, yeah. you know, and, and that's the, the reality of it. So when you're approaching journalists with, you know, either the concept or, you know, maybe initial funding round, whatever it might be uh, around this company, uh, establishing credibility and looking at those factors is the, is the first thing. And that can be size and scale. It can be innovation. It can be pedigree. It could be the, mm. the you know, pedigree of the investors, whoever it might be. Uh, and then the second part of it is, you know, what we call, you know, the human interest factor. Um, what are the, the background stories? that editors are going to sit back and say, do you know what, Jesus, that's quite interesting. You know, and like we've had founders in the past that were, you know, say former special forces or, you know, they had all the kind of the Ivy League guys. But then there's others that have, you know, built businesses, you know, dealing with chronic pain. 
Mm. That's quite an interesting one. You know, we've had others uh, that, you know, one particular founder uh, who was a monk for several years. Oh, and wow. Had okay. a, took a vow of silence for two. And we were very surprised he managed to stay that long because, you know. Was, was he uh, chatty? He was very chatty. <laughs> uh, and it was quite an interesting business that he ended up building. And, uh, you know, but again, you know, we would have approached, say, entrepreneur.com with that story and saying, you know, what silence brings or teaches you about entrepreneurship you know and that kind of thing um so yeah we look we look at those two factors and then once we have that all together mm. in that kind of narrative we've a pretty good place to start mm. and then we can start kind of that that process of reputation building which takes a bit of time but you eventually get there yeah know? and i want to talk about that place to start mm. that beginning step because you've been in media and pr for a long long time mm. Um, but your story of founding would make a lot of founders very jealous. Let's be honest. Possibly. It shouldn't have been that easy. But I mean, it wasn't your first startup. You had a failure first. Oh, God. Yeah. Jesus. Um, I had Jimmy's Waffles, first of all, which okay. was a waffle shop, right? About 10 years ago, I tried, like I say, a waffle shop in inverted commas. It was going to be a waffle stand. Uh, I think I had a thousand euros that I was going to invest in this thing. And I spent 500 euro on Ooh, the waffle maker. Okay. But it was the alone. Wrong, uh, alone. It's the wrong waffle maker. <laughs> Didn't get it off the ground. What no made it wrong? Uh, just did the. the uh the shape of the waffle. I, I think I didn't just read, I didn't read the catalog properly, and uh, that was you know the first Nuts. lesson on you know provision of provision of materials. <laughs> you know, uh, but no, look, you know, I I, I did try to set up a, an agency before that then with a friend of mine, and um, look, unfortunately, you know, when you kind of go get go down the co-founder route, we had we had a, a good traction initially, um, and then as was he got an opportunity, he went off and pursued that. Um, and then you end up having to, to start split. all over again, mm. you know, or, or split it or whatever. Um, so that was another lesson. Um, and uh, you know, for me, like it, it was, I always wanted to start a business, right. And, and yeah. that was always an ambition of mine. Um, but there was a fear that, geez, you can't do it by yourself, yeah. you know, um, that, you know, it, it, even as kind of a comfort that somebody's going to walk the, the, the path with you yeah. and, you know, uh, share the failures and share the hardship. Misery and all the loves company, yeah, essentially. Exactly, exactly. Essentially. But I don't tell these stories, you know, yeah. just to, to put egg on your yeah, face. Yeah, not at all. Not <laughs> at all. No, look, it's all part because of the process. Because the story of Clear Story International was was quite the remarkable jump from there. I mean, mm. tell us tell us about leaving that corporate world. yeah. yeah. So I, I would have worked on the PR team at a web summit, which, you know, a lot of people would know is Europe's largest technology conference um, yeah. and, and a very impressive operation. Um, and, you know, I, I was there for about two years and, you know, it helped me orientate myself on, you know, internationalization of yeah. business, you know, how the world works and how, how do you expand into new markets and, and so forth and so on. And, um, you know, that that was really the start of it for me, being able to understand how to go about some of these processes. Um, and there was an opportunity there that I felt, you know, we had a lot of early stage technology companies that were going to the event that were exhibiting and that they were looking for attention and they didn't know how to get up, go about it. And it wasn't necessarily my job. My job was to get all the, the top tier journalists to the event and get them to write nice things and whatnot. But I'd always take the phone call and I'd always say, okay, well, look, you know, what are you looking for? Oh, we're looking to talk to Forbes. We're looking at that. And I'd be like, well, what have you got? You know, what's, what's, uh, you know, what, what's and new? Crickets. Have you a funding round? Have you got a partnership? You know, and you know, you dig deep enough, you, you, mm. you can find something to 
uh, to justify an introduction, you know, mm. or, you know, in some cases, the journalist would say, look, this is what we're on the lookout for. Yeah. And you can you can kind of match it up accordingly. And and, and that was really kind of the genesis of, of Clear Story, which was you have all of these, you know, uh, seedling companies all around the world, you know, Singapore, Thailand, Switzerland, Germany, you know, Canada, the US, wherever. Um, and they're all looking for that piece of attention that might sway an investor or sway a potential partner or customer. Um, and they just needed those initial steps in order to to, to get there. So, you know, that, that that's where I kind of started off from. Um, and look, you know, as I said, I, I, I experimented beforehand and the fear factor was the, the, the initial agency, uh, which I called On Point Pure. Um, <laughs> but uh, On Point was very Irish focused. It was just going to focus on, on Irish SMEs and, and we we're kind of going to build it up that way. Um, but this new mindset kind of said, you know what, I, I actually think You've I can attract those. international customers, mm. you know. And, you, you know, backed that, that yourself quite heavily. Indeed. Yeah, you backed yourself yeah. quite heavily. But yeah. when you left that job, that job at Web Summit, mm. you didn't <laughs> have anything lined up in terms of clientele. You Very didn't, little. Yeah. So you had handed in your resignation. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. And then how did it proceed from there? So I had 500 euro in my bank account. And I had a commitment from uh, another event company that if I jumped, that yeah. they would take me on board to run the, their own PR operations. And, and there were there were trade conferences um, around, say, construction and, and, and a few other different places. And, uh, you know, it was it would have been worth a thousand a month. And I was like, you know what? It's now or never. Gosh, you know, that's a dove. Yeah, yeah. With the property prices in Ireland, uh, were you yeah, sure? Yeah, look, you know, I was living in my mammy's house, you know, it's all right. Um, but, uh, and As they do, a lot they, of founders yeah, do, let's yeah, be fair. Yeah. I spoke to one today yeah. who in fact is still in mommy's house. Is that right? Yeah, look. He's yeah. working on it. Yeah, it's what you got to do. And, and like the, the, there is a reality here that the older you get, um, you know, you get married, you have kids, you have a higher salary, you have yeah. a higher position. It's harder to jump. It's harder yeah. to, to to take the risk. The lifestyle changes and completely. Lifestyle yeah. changes. You're going back to zero nearly in many cases. You're dipping into savings. You're doing all that kind of stuff. And and, and you're away. You're away again. But um, so I had a thousand euros a month um, that was somewhat guaranteed. And I said, you know what? Look, it, it just has to happen now. Mm. Um, handed in the the, the notice. Um, I had one last conference to do, which was in Hong Kong. Uh, Rise, um, my favorite. Um, and uh, you know, as I like literally the last day, the last hour I was there, I went around the media village and I was just saying goodbye to, yeah. to people that I would have built relationships up over, over the last two years. And uh, there was a particular journalist um, uh, from TechCrunch over there who introduced me to a Thai businessman uh, who was organizing a tech conference over there as well. And he said, look, we'd love to have you on board to help promote it. And me and Amarit are still, you know, very good pals. Um, and uh you know, it just kind of spiraled from there. You know, that, that was another client. And then uh, I was saying goodbye to uh, um, uh, uh, a female entrepreneur, um, uh, network owner, basically. And uh, she was looking for help to promote her network. And that was 500 quid a month, you know. So I walked out of the, the, the job with uh, three clients and about three and a half grand a month. You and know. for every founder everywhere who's still in that first phase, that's just like it's isn't it? Come isn't on. it? It is. It is. Come it is. The grind. On. The grind. I know. <laughs> I know. But I mean, that's that's a great amount of success coming out of what was that? Your first six weeks from handing in resignation. Yeah. yeah. At your corporate mm. firm, that steady salary yeah. that a lot of us regular Joes are used yeah, to, that's yeah, yeah. so diff that's the biggest part that's yeah. really different yeah, exactly for a that. founder. You don't know if you're going to get that salary. You really don't. So let's talk about year two. Mm. Um, so year two, you know, I, I, I think within the first six months I'd hired my first employee. 
uh, Rebecca, who's still with us um, as our uh, senior director. Shout out to Rebecca. Yeah. Uh, and, um, y- you know, we were, uh, I suppose, growing the team relatively quickly. Um, by year two, we'd about six uh, six employees and we were looking to, to, to double that again yes. in that year. Right. And, you know, I used to, you know, kind of be be by the, the whiteboard, you know, uh, working out, okay, so we've got this amount coming in this month. We'll probably spend this much, you know, okay, we're, we're down That's a few, Bob. How are we going to, I know, yeah. How are we going to close this gap? Well, we need one or two clients, right? And there's an element that when you're going through that process, um, cash is tight, okay, yeah. because you're not making much money. You're reinvesting it the whole time. Yeah. And if anything goes wrong, you know, you're in, you're in serious, serious hawk, uh, pretty quickly. Um, so you have to have a certain element of self-belief and also belief around what you're doing and the work that you're doing, yeah. that you're going to be able to, to, to close those deals, get those clients, you know, whatever it might be. And, um, you know, that was the process for, for, for quite a while. Um, I went off, uh, to, to rise again in Hong Kong, uh, that year. And I, I was doing kind of a, a month, um, you know, we had a, a client event in, in Bangkok, uh, I think, Two weeks beforehand, I, I spent a week in in uh, in Singapore for another client event, and then I spent a week in Malaysia before I went on to to uh, to Hong Kong. And um, you know, like a couple of things started to fall behind. You know, payments maybe mostly. Um, so we, we were tied on cash again. Was this a month in the making? Two months in the making? Uh, like I, I, it's like again, you were quite tied. Like it was because obviously you reinvested. Yeah, so yeah, you're, yeah. The Between four to six weeks operating. You know, yeah, but yeah, you're not yeah, exactly exactly making millions. You're not making millions at all. You yeah. know, you're you're talking a couple of thousand. Um, and you know, if you have a bad month in terms of collections or, or payments, uh, all of a sudden you're 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 in a spot of bother. You know, you're in the dwang. You're in the dwang, and we had about two weeks cash in the bank at that stage. Uh, we had, um, you know, uh, the wage bill coming pretty yeah. pretty quickly by the end of the month, and at the at the time we didn't have the cash in the bank to to pay those wages. So my girlfriend, who's now my wife, uh, Siobhan, Siobhan, indeed, uh, had come over to 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 Hong Kong. Uh, uh, at the end of that, we were going to do a, a bit of a, a holiday together. And, uh, you know, I booked us, uh, you know, kind of a, a balcony, you know, room. Uh, in oh, the, this is romantic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You and, didn't uh, tell me about this, no, guys. No, 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 no. And, Go uh, rock, yeah. <laughs> and she rocked up and I was like, yeah, yeah, let me just sort out the room, you know. Um, but uh, Meanwhile, you know, you're having heart palpitations of the cash have, flow. I didn't have the money. <laughs> Gosh, so, I'm feeling stressed for you. Yeah, and if anyone yeah. can see this at the moment... <laughs> If you're not watching the YouTube video of this and you're catching us on Spotify, James is holding on to his mug and it's just like PTSD. And totally I'm with PTSD. you. I'm, I'm totally with you. PTSD. So Siobhan's in the room. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we were only actually telling the story the other day. Uh, Siobhan's in the room. You know, I go down to reception. I'm trying to buy for a bit of time. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, look, you know, good for it. You know, I've been here for a few nights. Uh, and uh, went back. He said, look, uh, we'll, we'll have a think about it. I was like, all right. So I'm up in the, up, up in the room then. There's a knock on the door. Look, you're going to have to come down and sort this out. I was like, oh, Jesus. Crossed on a cracker. Wow, yeah, that's yeah, intense. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I I can't remember exactly how I managed to wrangle out of it, but, you know, we, we I, I got 24 hours, you know. Um, but it, it wasn't the fact that I couldn't pay the hotel bill. Yeah. It was more just, actually, I'll tell you exactly what it was. I'll tell you exactly what it was. Rebecca, 
we had been in Thailand a couple of weeks earlier and she blocked all the cards by accident. She, you know, by accident. Rebecca. She kept putting her own pin, pin number in. Uh, uh, and like, and obviously they freeze yeah, when you accidentally yeah, yeah. put in the wrong pin. Exactly. And I couldn't get them unfrozen because I'd go to the bank and all the rest of it. So um, that's a, an Irish bank problem then as well. Um, yeah, not the easiest banking no. system. So like I, I, I was, I was uh, dependent on my own cards at that stage hadn't paid myself or something. I, I, I just, you know, I wasn't managing my, myself particularly well either. And at that stage, I don't think I was paying myself a regular wage. Yeah. You know, it's kind of dripping it in. As it, yeah, could. exactly, exactly. Um, so anyways, I had no cards and uh, uh, I, I was short of a few bob myself. And uh, I think eventually I got it sorted in overdraft or something like that. I tapped into it. Um, but in any ways, we were over there with no money. Wages were due in two weeks time. I was freaking out. Mm. I had, the, you know, the, the, the girlfriend, you know, uh, over. Did Siobhan know you were freaking out? Uh, no, was no, it on your face? No, or? I don't think so. Not I, yet. I, not yet, not yet. Um, and uh, two o'clock then that that night, I said, you know, I can't take any more of this. I, I'm, I'm done, like, you know. And I rang, uh, rang the bank. I said, listen. Um, At two o'clock, two o'clock in, the in the morning. morning. Yeah, Jeez, now it would have been 9 a.m. I think Ireland time. Or there, there okay, was. okay. And, so uh, at least it's a reasonable hour. Yeah, I haven't been yeah. able to get a hold of anyone <laughs> at two o'clock. Except Bernard, who works here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, man's always yeah, working. Yeah, yeah. So I rang the bank. I said, listen, um, any chance, uh, you know, you, you might have an overdraft facility or something like that. And they said, look, you know, we have a credit line. Yeah. I said, okay, great. Um, and we can give you, uh, we can give you, I mean, 20, 30K on the credit line. Um, but you have it to sign. It was 30,000. Yeah, 30,000. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you're going to have to sign a personal guarantee uh, to, you know, underwrite this, you know, if you can't pay it back. When and you hear that, what's going through your head? Well, I, I ignored it. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. And, and look, you know, part of it is, and the reason why, you know, not to, to sound facetious about it, because it is an awful lot of money. Um, this is at the stage where in order to make a decision like that, you have to have faith yeah. that you will work your way out of it. Is this, yeah. is this a systemic thing? Are you you're kidding yourself and you'll never get the money and, you know, you're going to take this as a last stab and fingers crossed mm -hmm. and all the rest of it. Is it a gamble really is, is what I'm saying? Um, or, you know, is it a cash flow problem? Have you got faith that you'll get that money? When will you get that money? Uh, will the business continue to grow? Can you work your way out of it? You know, you're taking a calculated risk. You know, and I took a calculated risk with the personal guarantee for the credit line that we would get paid, that everything would be all right and have faith that, you know, uh, and go in the right direction. And there is the, the big difference I find, you know, mm. um, in terms of attitude, like, you know, are you uh, gambling or yeah. are you taking calculated risk? Big differences. Now, what is the difference? Because there are founders everywhere who yeah. are gambling, calculated risking. How do you define the two? I, I, I think... It comes down to the level of personal risk that you're putting on yourself, yeah. but also uh, the stakeholders, right? So we all have stakeholders in the business. Mine are my employees yeah. and my clients, right? Um, gambling is putting them at risk, putting mm. them directly at risk, right? Not being able to pay the wages because, you know, you decided to go off on a holiday with, with some of that money, right? Mm. Uh, or, or whatever it might be, or yeah, that, that you know, you've, you, you're paying yourself when, you know, you know, you can't pay your employees and, you know, mm. those, those kinds of decisions, right? Um, there, there's other examples, I'm probably not being, being uh, overly uh, solid on it, but um, gambling is when you put your stakeholders at risk. Yeah. Um, uh, calculated risk is knowing that the situation is manageable, 
that it's recoverable, that you do have a solid business model, you have a good, you know, good service that, you know, um, you know, certainly like I've definitely come across over the years, many, a, many a company that wasn't really a company, you know, that <laughs> you were dealing with gamblers and not. Mm. And not, and not, you know, calculated risk takers, you know, and, and the difference is, is that there's a business model there to back up the assumptions, mm. um, that, uh, you know, again, you're, you're, um, uh, you're generating money. You've got customers, you've got, you know, uh, you've got a roadmap. A way out. You've got a way out, you yeah. know, and look, every scenario was different. And like, you know, at the moment, you know, we, we, we've launched a new technology company now, um, and, you know, we're targeting the pure industry and all the rest of it. And there's a lot of calculated risk going in to that venture, but it's not a gamble. You know, there's yeah. a solid product. There's there's a team. There, there's X, Y and Z. Um, so it, it it does depend on the scenario, I feel. Yeah. But there's an awful lot of gamblers. This know. is true. And there's an awful lot of failed founders, too. But you're going on to six years now. So, I mean, you've gotten over a lot of the niggles when you're facing that risk, mm. the risk mm. of we need to take out a credit line. First off, did you use any of that credit line? I think we used 5K and 5K. that was the only time we ever used it. And you managed to put it back in yes. is within what time frame? Uh, 24 hours. So you that. knew you knew exactly what you were doing, how yeah. much risk was involved and the personal risk actually wasn't very high at the end of the day. Um, no, I, I I wouldn't describe it as such, you know. Okay. And again, like the worst that could have happened was that, you know, maybe we didn't get money. Maybe that invoice would have been delayed another 30 days or, yeah. you know, uh, but but then you're kind of, you know, on the, on the other side of the cycle where, where it's like, okay, well, where mm. might we be able to fill that in terms of new business or whatever it might be, you know, that you've other levers you can pull. Mm. Um, but I never felt that I was at risk personally at any okay. time. Even though there was a personal kind of assurance on it's that. Got, it's not like somebody dangling a knife over your head, you know. Um, it's but, good pressure and bad pressure, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, but, it, but, it, but it's attached to a really like, you know, solid... Uh, uh, Prize. Yeah, exactly. Balloon. Yeah, yeah, something, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Call it's it not, what you yeah, will. You know it's not going to fall. Yeah. You know? yeah, but I mean, you have this faith. So you chatted a little bit about faith mm. and the kind of faith you, you had in yourself mm. and being able to get out of that situation, mm. which is a classic. Mm-hmm business situation but some don't make it out yeah. did your employees know no. did Siobhan know no how did they react what uh, did you do to keep I, it from I, all I, of them? I told I, I, I told kind of some of the longer term uh, serving members of the team Rebecca La, yeah uh, <laughs> and Anna and, and a few of the others uh, there last year you know when last it's all, it's all okay. kind of now, like now you, you can know, laugh yeah, yeah, that's yeah, why yeah, we're yeah. here exactly. we can exactly. laugh now yeah, it's not a real thing you know it's totally fine um, but you know and that, like COVID was a really really touchy situation as well mm. you know COVID was like that's intense like, for a lot geez, of us yeah. that, the, the five days you know in March uh, you know, you're staring down a barrel, you know, oh God. and um, that was we'll a whole different ballgame. Yeah, 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 yeah. Time exactly, we'll, exactly. We'll yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but like, you know, a lot of founders would have had that experience, you know, and, and you, you spoke about those who, who don't make it, you know, for for for, for reasons. Um, again, you know, for 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 those like not every business succeeds for whatever reasons right and look i don't know what's what's you know down the road uh you know in in terms of the the tech sector and and like funding is a, is a massive issue yeah. a lot of the time it's not their fault either yeah a lot of the time yeah. the macro just devastates the micro factors yeah do you know and and like covid was a classic example of that you know um and things change I and mean, when they change suddenly you know we've seen it with the great financial crisis you know 10 years ago mm. um 
you, you can't always take it to heart either then, mm. you know, but. At what time do you let the workforce know, the loved ones know, mm-hmm. um, and kind of open up about the situation? I'm wondering, does, does the letting the loved ones in first help you cope? That's a good question. I might go back to the COVID example there. Yeah. <clears throat> um, it's a lot, it's a lot to carry yeah, on. No, no, own, no, understood. You know. and, and I mean, look, I think if you have control mm. of the situation and you know how it's going to be resolved, you know, there's no need to panic people. Yeah. There's no need to upset and, and worry. Yeah, and, not and everyone so forth, acts so like a founder acts to yeah. this kind of information. Yeah, it's a yeah. different mindset altogether. Exactly. Um, I think COVID, right, when you have something that just, you know, like a, a steam train coming through the No, the, globally the business, it was right? a mess. Oh, Total right, mess. mess. Transparency is key. Mm. Never keep your employees in the dark. Yeah. You know, you have to, and, and your stakeholders, you have to, you know, straight away now when all that was going down, um, I think within within 24 hours, we were letting people know how bad the situation was. You know, I remember getting phone calls from clients and like, we like all you could do is dark humor. You just had to laugh at how mm. crazy the situation was. Um, uh, but But in situations like that, you always keep your employees informed, right? Yeah. Because they're stakeholders. They have a they have a buy in the business, um, and you know I think a lot of the the, the PR crises that are happening at the moment for a lot of major tech brands is they're not keeping their employees informed. Not yeah, communication kind of letting, is hard. It's huge, you know, and you it's don't huge. want to be the guy, right? No, no founder yeah. wants to be the guy to say, "Listen, I know no. you no. have bold, but yeah, you know. yeah, yeah." But you know why I love this story coming from you, James. Mm. It's because of where Clear Story is now, six years on, mm. the three branches. I mean, you've now got branches in Germany, Thailand, and here in Ireland. So you've come a long way yeah. from from that month where you nearly didn't make it with mm. Siobhan sleeping yeah. in the room going, oh, God, what now? Yeah. Um, but how did you get from there mm. to to where you are now? Yeah, so I, I, I suppose, look, you know, everyone says it, right? But it is very true. Team is is absolutely crucial, mm. right? Um, that if you have people that you can depend on uh, to deliver what you what you say, um, that builds trust, yeah. right? Uh, and trust becomes pro-cyclical, especially in the, in the service industry, you know, that uh, if you do a good thing, people will recommend and you start to grow, you know, kind of organically from that, uh, from that position. Um, another factor is, you, you know, like I, I would always kind of say you, you want to keep yourself, you know, relatively diversified geographically and, and other things like we were able to manage risk really well. Yeah. Um, especially over the COVID period that, you know, after the first quarter, we bounced back really, really quickly. And actually we, we, we grew quite substantially in 2020 and, you know, uh, right the way up now to this year, 2022. Um, but, you know, there's always going to be factors but having flexibility, having a good team, uh, knowing where you can source your customers, building trust, um, always really important factors. Um, mm. And look, you know, an element is, you know, if you're you're uh, uh, if you're established for a period, you become known as a brand. That always helps. You yeah, know? James, where can people find you? Yeah, look, uh, www.clearstoryinternational.com. Yeah, uh, or uh, James at clearstoryinternational.com. If anyone has any weird or wonderful questions or queries. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Found It, a production of Factory 44, Ireland's on-demand creative studio based in the heart of Dublin. Found It is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you stream your podcasts. 
If you like the show, please take a second to subscribe for more episodes and join the conversation on our socials at Factory 44 Studio. If you're looking to record a podcast or are interested in becoming a member of Factory 44, book a call on our website at www.factory44.io. Oh, 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 oh,